Good morning, afternoon, evening. Good to see all of you. First day of the Rohatsu session, which we do every year. Not very long, four days where we pretty much follow the traditional Soto Zen forms. Not exactly, closer than we do the rest of the time. <laughs> so uh, we even do walking meditation, don't we? So the talk is uh, Circle of Confusion. I'm going to give this four talks, this one and one each day. At least that's my understanding of what I'm going to do. It's just a way of talking about what it is that takes us away from this and towards that, and then away from that and towards something else. We continually rotate around, uh, sometimes called the kleshas, the klesha mind. There's five of those. There's four or three uh, poisons, passion, aggression, and ignorance. There's uh, five, and there's probably more too, different ways of talking about it, but the other two are um, pride and jealousy. Um, it seems that whatever shows up, if we, if it's uncomfortable or disagreeable or any kind of difficulty we have with that, we do something with it. It's just like uh, sitting practice of meditation. We're sitting and something arises in the mind stream and we, we push on it or, or we disagree with it or we don't like it or it, it triggers us to go into other kinds of emotions and so on. So it seems to go in circles quite a bit. And then if we try to hold it still with some kind of a, uh, you could say an artificial uh, structure, a discipline, like just follow the breath, just uh, um, just do a mantra or any of this other kinds of um, techniques or protocols or whatever for getting what control. And, and the feeling of being in control is uh, is one thing. Actually being in control is probably going to be impossible. This doesn't mean we shouldn't do mantras, that we shouldn't do walking meditation, that we shouldn't uh, work with different kinds of forms that appear as, uh, as a technique or a way of calming things down or of uh, giving some kind of a semblance of something that's normally going this way and that way and all over the place, softening that up or slowing down the energy, the speediness of that. Of course, that does happen. But to always be looking for some kind of result is part of the circularity. It's that's the grasping. Uh, if it gets uh, intense, then it's the greediness. It's the craving after. We want that, and if we don't get that, then the other poison, anger, could come up. We're upset because we're not getting what we want, or it could. Uh, we could be grasping, grasping, and then notice the grasping and then just get kind of sick of the grasping and then just shut it all down and go into what? Ignoring, ignorance, distract ourselves into something else. I didn't want that anyway. Rotating, rotating. And it is about seeing that, not about stopping it. You don't have say-so in the way if there's a strong ego-centered, self-centered, narcissistic aspect of consciousness that is, that is in charge, so to speak or thinks it's in charge, or is running the whole situation, it gets uh, magnetized into some kind of, well, if I can just, well, if only, and all of the other little mini conversations we have with ourselves. Simple, a very simple one that I've mentioned now and then is anything that arises in the mind, any, say something negative arises, 
to comment on that in any way. Don't add to say, oh, there I go again, or here it comes again, or why won't this go away, or who causes this? And the constant circularity of abandoning whatever rises or something else, circles, you go in circles with that. And the way it looks over here, having worked with this a little bit, is just look at the circle. Just look at the movement. We're actually going to do a brush and ink awareness practice. Um, we do that today, tomorrow or today. So where we're actually going to make a circle with a brush and ink. I'll talk about that a little bit when that practice uh, occurs. So it seems if we look at the circularity, we look, this happens, and then we push at this, or we pull at that, or we shut down, or we, or in terms of the other two, uh, we start to puff up uh, our pride, our self-centeredness starts to show up where we can't actually look at what's happening because we're elevating ourselves, me, 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 above that. It's not my problem, or uh, other ways that uh, pride can show up. And then the other one is uh, jealousy. When somebody has something, is doing something, gets something that we want, we think we should have. Painful. And rather than go into the intellect and try to talk our way out of it, lecture ourselves, I shouldn't feel that. They need that as much as I do. Or any number of um, conversations we have of trying to talk ourselves out of the glaciers, try to use concepts. Works a little bit. It might help uh, clarify the, the nature of the grasping, the rejecting, the shutting down, or whatever it may be. It may, may clarify that to some extent, but the only, my understanding is, I'll say it again, my understanding is the only way this can be dealt with directly is through awareness practice, not through grasping, rejecting, not through some kind of materialism where we're after something. And the way I've talked about it lately, anyway, is uh, is the intention. It's the, not the intention and the result, cause and effect, cause and effect, which is more, which comes up as more circles, the illusion of accomplishment, accomplishing something, but to just intend to see what this is, intend to see whatever rises in the mind, the mind stream on the cushion, in post meditation at the kitchen table in your workplace, with your, with your sangha, just receive. And what you're receiving, if, if you just receive, then, uh, then it doesn't really go any farther, particularly. It, and if it does, you don't even mind that. You don't chase it. So it's like not having a preference, as it says in, uh, what is it, Sin Sin Ming, it says, is it picking and choosing? That, it's a disease of the mind. It's not that you wouldn't decide to have this or that in a relative situation. Of course, that could, could show up, but to actually grasp onto one thing and oppose something else around and around. Samsara, the very word samsara, as far as I know, means circles or circularity. So again, we come back to, speaking of circles, we come right back again to just be aware, just to just receive. And, and it may not be comfortable. It probably won't be comfortable. I doubt that it'll be comfortable because the very first thing that the Buddha said is life is suffering. And as I've said 
probably hundreds of times. He, he didn't say, as far as I know, sometimes life is suffering. He said, life is suffering. And of course, pain of pain, we all know about that. The pain of impermanence or alternation. And then the pain, the overall pain of the composite or the pain of conditioned existence, which is as long as you're, there's manifestations here, won't go away. So in the next uh, today and the next three days, um, I'd like to stay on this topic, uh, but rather than go in and uh, start uh, um, taking it apart and deconstructing it or reconstructing uh, these three poisons or five kleshas, uh, we can go into any one of those and, and, and deconstruct that in a way that we're we're begin, we're, we are endeavoring to see the way in which that works, the way in which it comes around and closes us off, even though we're meditators, even though we're, we're, we are endeavoring to see clearly what this is, we get, we get trapped by our fear, we get trapped by, our, by that aspect of the consciousness that is trying to hang on or fixate or grasp something, and we don't even know we're doing that because we're busy leaving the actual doubled up fist that's hanging on to something for some kind of ideal of how we need to stop doing that instead of stay with that and when i say stay i don't mean maintain i'm just saying just look at the knot that's right in your own mind stream it's like a big knot just observe that sir sometimes when you talk about passion aggression and ignorance you'll talk about how Aggression might arise, and then we'll move into passion, and then we move into aggression. But when we talk about pride and jealousy as a part of the, the poisons, how do those mix in with the three poisons? How's it look to you? Can you say something about Shokabang, I think because of the way that perhaps you teach, it looks like the passion, aggression, and ignorance are more closely related or more intimate and then the the pride and the jealousy is so, so the pride is grasping at itself <clears throat> it might not look like this it might look like this so much pride that we can't even we can't even we can't be vulnerable it hurts too much so it, it's not the shiny kind of pride or the somebody who's full of himself. We're talking about the kind that just we cannot take the limelight of our own our own awareness. We just it's too painful. So it is a, a form it is aligned with the three poisons. It's grasping, grasping in itself. And pride. And then the opposite of that is, of course, when that really comes apart, then it goes into the other end of the of the spectrum, which is shame so embarrassed I'm, I'm just useless i can't seem to get anything right everything is coming apart and it's my fault what i could have done that no you couldn't have you couldn't have because there isn't anyone this is just a con uh, incredible uh, pre um, presumption about the nature of your life of your of the living being you think you are someone just because there's a body and, and whatever uh, is happening as far as receiving what is around you, there's no one here. If you think there is, you'll defend him or her or them 
then you will also go the other direction of being, it might even look like humility, but it is not. It's self-centeredness uh, at the bottom of the heap, total failure, skid row. And with jealousy, similar kind of situation. It's a, it is a, a grasping at something where something's been pulled away from you or, or somebody has, you have something and then somebody takes that away when you don't even have anything in the first place. You don't own anybody. And what somebody has that is valuable that you think you should have, maybe in our situation here, maybe the, the teacher, in this case, this guy is being more attentive to you and somebody else sees that and then they're jealous of that. This doesn't mean they have to go the other way around and be, oh, it's so wonderful that everybody can have some time with the teacher. Although that's taught sometimes. But you can just, just see it. Don't do anything with it. Don't get credit for being so kind and generous and cutting into your jealousy. More? Shokabang and looking at pride or pride and shame. How can we see the the circularity of it when it might show up more like a, a wall or something solid? Yes, just look at the wall. If you do anything with that wall, anything with it, it will solidify. If you don't do anything with the wall, you don't accept it, you don't reject it, you don't ignore it. Don't do anything with it, then it'll do whatever it needs to do. And I say whenever it needs to, to do in terms of its dependent origination, it falls into the entire spectrum of Pratitya Samadpada. It may have some duration, three months. It may have no duration, hardly any duration, 30 seconds. But it's, that's none of your business. Just receive. Receive this incredible world. Stop shutting down on everything and everybody. When I say stop, I'm not able to do that. So what does that mean? Then look at the way in which you keep shutting everything out. More? Shogabang, is there a movement that isn't circular? Yeah, you know what it is? A vow to be with all things. Direct, right to it. Be with all things. You don't have to complete it. It doesn't have to succeed. It's only the intention. Live in enlightenment now. More? Sir? Cheese, I'm bowing. The subtlety of the three poisons seems to continue to get finer and finer. And is there a way to discriminate that from from something more sincere. If my um, sense of self becomes more and more refined, it, it might start to feel spiritual in nature. And I'm wondering if there's any discrimination that we could actually see that would contrast or call out that subtle spiritual self. So the subtlety, that's a good word. So subtlety, so first, uh, Use, if you're on this path, look at the 
the 16 precepts or just pick out one of them or two of them or three of them. Just look at any one of those. Like, and then look at the subtlety of it. Look at the way you cannot obey those precepts. And that is, that's only to observe, as Covencino once told me. Just observe. You, it's not, I'm not talking about correcting something. I'm saying there's a very subtle way that w- which we keep objecting to, agreeing with, or moving away from. A good example is um, if you conclude any precept, let's just pick one. How about, what is it, the fourth one is don't lie? Don't say things that aren't true. Isn't that the fourth one? Come on, you guys. Is it? No illusory words. Huh? No illusory words. Isn't that not lying? Is that or is it? Number four. Yeah, it could be. You don't know? I don't know. Can we look it up? Can anybody tell me? It's no illusory words. I think that is Which one, one is not, don't lie? Yeah. Four? Thank you. I don't do numbers, but you guys do. So how many, when it says uh, don't lie, we know we can't stop doing it. It says don't kill, you're going to have to kill something because you need to live, you're going to have to kill something. So those are about observing those. A simple one would be you come in, you, you're not feeling too good, and you come into the room and somebody says, hey, how are you doing? Hey, I'm okay. Liar. Lying to someone. You feel terrible. You just lied to them. And what do I say about that? Just be aware that you're lying. Don't fix it because you're actually at the same time also being polite to them by, I don't want to involve you in my uh, mental diaspora. Just, just be aware. You don't have to stop, start telling the truth. Just be aware of that. That's a subtle form of it. There's other forms of stealing. Another subtle form of stealing is to interrupt someone. You actually steal from them. They're in the middle of saying something and you, because you think you know what they're talking about, you've just stolen what they were going to say. That You don't know what they were going to say, but you think you do, or you think you're onto it. Just be aware. Jeez, I'm bowing. Is With that subtlety, is there ever a risk of not giving the teacher permission anymore or or <laughs> who did that <laughs> who blew their nose <laughs> that's my job to blow my nose that must mean <laughs> there I got you covered go ahead to continue to expose ourselves to the teacher just, I think it's so different with each person. Just do the best. You don't have to do much in the way of exposing. Teacher sees that. Teaching person, there are two teachers going to meet you right where they're at. You won't even won't even recognize them because they'll look so much like yourself. No separate being anywhere. The true teacher realizes that. There's no credential. 
So I'm not saying, oh, true teacher over here. So I'm somehow, or I, or some other person who is a true teacher is somehow a special, a special kind of insight into everything. It doesn't work that way. It's not about insight into everything. It's just you're not separate from anything anymore. Never were. But then it's a realization. More about that if you have it. Jeez, I'm buying it. Just um, for myself particularly, there's more and more fear about the responsibility you're giving me turning into a credential, which would actually um, remove me from the spiritual practice, like to continue. Like, I, there's work amazing? to do. Isn't that amazing? You have work to do. You do. Can that, seeing that we have more work to do, become a credential or a, a circle? It could. All you have to do is observe it. Just observe. Return to the vow. Be with all things. Starting with your own thought patterns, your own mind. When you're sitting in Shikantaza, whatever arises, don't, don't agree, don't object, don't look away. More? Question from Naveed in Iran. Naveed. How does passion trap us? What kind of passion is this? So I'm not sure the, the context of the question, but pa passion is just grasping. Greediness is a, a little bit of passion. We really like something, but, we're, but we care about it. We, so we're not saying that passion should go away and we should be completely dispassionate. But, but no, no demand. It's when there's some kind of demand where you have to have uh, Navid. So we have to have that. There's a demand. Or we deserve that. Or they shouldn't have that. I should be having that. Or this was mine, but now someone has taken, taken it away. If, if I understood the question, which perhaps there's more to it than that. Um, can we observe the vow with no intention to align ourselves with it? Say more. Um, I'm just thinking, um, I don't necessarily have an intention to not lie. Like I might still just lie all the time. I'm wondering if that's still observing the vow or is there more of an intention to well, stop lying? The idea is to not lie, but you can't. So the intention is to don't lie, don't kill, don't, 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 don't. But it's that you don't have that kind of power. And if you start going in that direction, then we, then we're right back to, to uh, fundamentalism. The only thing, our fundamentalism is a little bit different since it's non-theistic. So we don't have some kind of somebody up there that other people are speaking for and telling us what the, uh, the overseer or the boss or the deity is telling us we should do. People come along and interpret that. And uh, this is a non-theistic approach. So there's no central headquarters anywhere even though the Buddha might look like it, but it's not. So don't, the idea is not to lie, but it's to be aware of that, aware of the lying function rather than live up to some kind of, oh, finally, I, I no longer lie. I was talking to a, a young man and uh, we were teaching in prisons here, uh, pre-COVID and everything. Uh, and, and I told, uh, gentleman there, can't, maybe somebody else here was with us at the time, I don't recall, but I said, I said you can't help, we were talking about the priest, I said, no, you can't help but lie. He said, I never lie. 
Uh, I said, yeah, you do. You just did. You know, by saying that, I, said, I never lie. And what I'm pointing out here is a little, uh, you know, yes, I feel fine. No, you don't. You're not telling the truth to the person who asked you because uh, you rotate into politeness. Is that wrong? No, I'm just saying that you might want to be responsible for that you don't always tell the truth and be aware of that rather than live up to some kind of credential of always telling the truth. Is What's the difference between using a form to see how we're um, lying and not correcting that and just not caring if we're lying all the time what do you think not caring if we're lying all the time you don't care if you lie all the time no i'm not sure what you what is not coming out right huh i'm not sure what you want to know by that question uh, but i'm kind of slow sure about there seems to be an area where something comes up with the precept I see that I'm maybe not telling the truth and there's a precept there to don't lie. Um, and it feels like I should do something with that, like align what I'm doing more with the with the vow instead of just seeing how it's not the same. I don't see any problem. I don't if, see anything to change or fix. If it looks like we're constantly um, doing the opposite of a vow or a form, do we go in and push it back that way? I wouldn't do much pushing. It's, you're already pushing against the, the um, ordinary lifetime uh, as being, being a human being living in this crazy society we're in by just by being a monk, by saying, you know, there's lots of things to do and I think this is what I want to do and I'm going to ordain and become a monk. And you are, and you're living in a monastery. And you, you have a teacher, you have a community. Excuse me, that's, that's increasing the awareness and increases the awareness about the, the that incredible rotisserie of uh, passion, aggression, and ignorance. Because that's that, if you have one, you're going to have the other eventually. And it'll show up in different ways. And simply put, it's pushing aggression, pulling passion, and just closing off our ignorance. Well, yeah. Sir, Shokabang, in the example of saying I'm doing all right and it being a lie, we're observing the vow, no illusory words. When do we actually come out and speak the truth? So it would be very, very situational. You, you want to be with all things, but this, you're not looking for a credential that you're being with all things. That's when what starts to slip up the side of the of the wall. There is a I have to I have to live up to something and get a credential that I never lie. Just be aware, aware. Just be aware. And you, the way you train yourself to do this is by working with the awareness in a very very direct way. Sit down, hold still, and spend a lot of time watching the movement in the mind stream because that's where the that's where that is. Uh, we are able to see fundamentally what is true. That there's no solid being. I don't care how intense the emotion is, how intense the greed is, how intense the passion, aggression, ignorance, pride, jealousy, or any other elaboration that might extend those together or separate. 
have to just see it. You have to see that because it is the identity behind it that is the, is the fundamental issue, that there is someone who's feeling that. Those things that are arising, when we see that there is no solid being, then those things that are arising are more like weather. We don't take it so personally. We still might feel it. We're still going to get wet. You still can get struck by lightning. But there's no, there's no, you're not operating out of hope and fear anymore. You're, you could even say in different ways, you're operating out of abundance. You're, you're operating out of enlightenment. No longer separating yourself from anything, no matter how much it stinks, no matter how fragrant it is. I don't deserve that. Shokabai, when you talk about looking for a credential and a way that we're relating to something, is that the moving into the pride, the question uh, mind of pride? It looks like it, probably. And it's about watching that because if you if you try to stop it, then it goes how to say underground or it just seals off because it's a it's dependently arisen. Even that aspect of, of the mind, it's everything is dependently arisen. And that aspect of the consciousness, which uh, the yoga chart tradition, they try to get that into some kind of a ball somewhere so they can study it, call it the seventh consciousness. But it's 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 really not we can do that to study it, but it's not about going in there and taking that out and like extracting a tooth, it's you have to see that. So if the consciousness stops going to war or going to peace with anything, take no position. Shokabang, so to use the example of the fourth precept of no illusory words. No lying. No lying. Is that what it was? Yogito. And no lying. Earlier, you were um, talking about living in enlightenment. Yes. When is uh, when are we living in enlightenment with in relation to the no no lying, no position, no liar, no lies. This doesn't mean there aren't that that isn't happening in some way. I have to I have to live this. And you can't live this if there's someone who's trying to do something a certain way. Even trying to observe is also credential. It's a total blow up. Question from Ian in Kalamazoo. Ian. What happens to the circles of confusion as we observe them over time? Different ways of talking about it and the way I'll say it to you, Ian, is uh, um, it may continue, it may not. You won't be too concerned about results because you're just about intention. If you're on this path, which is the path of the Buddha's Dharma, then this is about saving all beings, being with all things. Everybody else comes first, especially the people that are totally swamped by their identity and are at war and are sometimes even killing other people. This doesn't mean you go along with them. It just means that you uh, don't go to war with anyone. So the passion, aggression, and ignorance still may rotate around through your mind stream because you you aren't going to meditate in such a way that your ears turn color or that you somehow have a, have some kind of big change in your life. 
What color were you thinking of yours? Green. No. Are you vegetarian? <laughs> Depends. When no. I eat a salad, I am. When you eat a salad, you are? Mark Bowling. Yeah, Mark. Deb, Deb asks, uh, do I have to see the passion, aggression, or ignorance? Is it beneficial to not know? Bowling. You could say sometimes that's used just not knowing, but the not knowing is not necessarily applied. I'm not, I wouldn't apply that not knowing to that uh, passion, aggression, and ignorance. You, you know that there's grasping. You're aware that there, there's grasping, but what you, the not knowing would apply to don't do anything with that. In other words, try to get a credential by not being so greedy. It's, it, it'll turn into a circle and you'll have success for three weeks and then it'll all turn around. And then the whole identity, because the identity is feeding on that kind of polarity. We're talking about ultimate realization. That's what I'm endeavoring to point at for anyone who got a few minutes to listen. Ultimate. So the not knowing, uh, the way I sometimes use that is only don't know mind, which is what Seng Song, the, the Korean monk, the last century. I think there's a book out by, maybe it's titled that, I can't recall. But just oh, just have a willingness to not, not know what the hell's going on and still be present, still be on receive. If you're on receive, you aren't going to know much because the world is incredibly complicated. Every human being you, you meet is full of all kinds of emotions and feelings and just receive, just receive. Be, be kind. If you're going to be, you're going to produce anything, you might want to produce some kindness. And that might, might not particularly look syrupy. It might be just, how's it going? And then allow them to lie to you. Really great. We're doing fine today. How are you doing? And then you can lie back. Good. I'm doing good. Can you, can you see what I'm getting at by talking about this? I'm saying it's very subtle. We're going to break the precepts. You can't help but break them in different ways. You got a lot of questions today, Shoka. It's just, a, it's just an acknowledgement, it's not a criticism. Go ahead. Um, Shoka buying. Sometimes you'll say work with what appears. Yes. So in the example of uh, the two, two people interacting um, where they're lying, and that's the appearance, what's the working with that? Just receive what that, whatever that is with no, no addition, no figuring out, no calculating, no just receive it. If you just receive it, you won't know what it is. More? Hashem bowing. Hashem. If you observe somebody suffering, is it an act of kindness to just leave them alone? Bowing? Well, it could be. Good question. And if you're, if you've been working with your own mind, working with your own suffering, have you seen you aren't going to be able to solve this 
difficulty or the suffering that you're having. You need to just observe that. And then if you see someone else suffering, it depends on the, the situation. If it's another, if it's a, a Sangha member, maybe a lot different than if it is if it's your 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 aunt or uncle or your cousin or someone that is not a practitioner. So I, I would say it'd be situational. I would say less is better. And so less doing and more receiving. Receive. You see someone that's suffering, you might ask them, how is it going? And they might say, whatever, none of your business, or I'm fine, don't bother me. Do you have a specific question? That um, I can address it if you do. Afshan bowing. I'm just tossing back and forth in my mind the difference between what is compassion and what is kindness in that situation. Oh. <clears throat> well, kindness is something... I think anyone can do that. Compassion might be different, might not show up as particularly compassionate because it's more all pervasive. It's not just individually, uh, just uh, in one single situation. Jim Shabali, when you say circle, I think of something that goes around and comes back to the same point to the same feeling your situation um, but you've also talked about how we can't do anything twice or nothing actually re repeats so what what is going around in a circle or is is there any repetition in that circle yeah it's something that looks like it's repeating that's a conclusion about it it's of the circle the illusion it's illusory we have to start somewhere so that's that's what we'll work with we a simple structure of that, excuse me, simple structure of that would be we, somebody does something, we get really mad and we kind of over, what's the saying, overreact or yell at them or something. And then, then we start to see that we couldn't didn't mean it or that they, there was a mistake happening. And then we, and then we go from anger into passion and, and start to uh, apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I overreacted. And, uh, I'm sorry, I, I, I see more clearly what was happening there. We might do that. And then uh, and then from there, we might go right into some kind of ignoring where we would do the same thing again. Because we've, we've, we've apologized. So we've, we've taken, taken the spikiness out of that original anger, that original impulse to get mad at someone or upset with someone. We've taken that out because we've, Got some relief because now we we feel more kind of apologetic, maybe a little bit. And the whole thing shuts down again, so that when a similar situation comes up again, instead of somehow uh, benefiting from that circularity, we, we're brought right back into it again, and it starts up again, over and over and over. And it gets extremely difficult. The circularity does if it's in the mind stream in such a way that we can't actually find any cause. This is sometimes we, we can't, we so much cannot stand that, that we'll just give it a name, but depression, anxiety, we'll just, we'll actually take ourselves away from whatever that is in terms of its texture, its presence uh, into something about it, because that feels a little bit better than the actual texture of that. Actually, smell the taste, the touch, 
the nerve endings being abraded by that. It's easier to just call it anxiety or call it something separates us from it through concepts. And then, go ahead. Does awareness somehow break the circle? Uh, it may, because there's no there's no more propellant there coming from a self. If we see that there is no solid being, then it may show up and it may not. And if you're functioning as to be to be with all things, then the way in which that may show up uh, is can be to some to a, a consciousness that is still wrapped up in me, 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 and how I look and what other people think and what I think about what I'm thinking. What I think about what other people are, about, are thinking about what I'm thinking or what I'm doing. That kind of subtle narcissism of me and how I'm doing and what I get and what I'm losing. So that awareness may, awareness may show up in such a way that the grasping at something, rejecting it some, with something or shutting down is lessened. Perhaps. But because the dependent origination is so complicated in terms of cause and effect, there isn't just, if there's anything happening, there are countless causes for that. That if you were to pull some of them away, if you wanted to go into a story about it, it might not even happen. It might need this and this and this in order to happen when, when all you saw was the one big cause. Somebody did this. An example would be, and I don't mean to get into, um, into a labyrinth of cause and effect particularly, but if if you get in a car wreck, that's a big deal. Um, and if you would, if you had, would have uh, left, you know, one minute sooner, there would be no car wreck. I'm just using that as an example of how little tiny things are affecting everything. And we can't really track it and say, oh, if I hadn't, I'd only left two minutes earlier. Or we quite often do that. When something big happens, we realize I just hadn't gone back to get that uh, that package that I was going to deliver or something. And then that would have, wouldn't have happened. We always do something like that because we want that. We love that illusion of control. As if, well, if I'd just done this or done that, that wouldn't have occurred. And, and that's there's something to that because, but it's not saying you necessarily can get control. It's, a, it's basically saying you're, you're kind of at the mercy. And so far as you think there is somebody, you're at the mercy of everything that is coming and going, coming and going, as far as your actual experience of being a living person, being. Cheryl Bowing, um, I believe I've heard you say like when we're on a circle, it looks like a straight line, but then if we see it, we're not exactly caught by it or, or wrapped up in it. If we see that circular, um, if we begin to see how things are circular, does that, um, how does that help us um, relate to them? Well, isn't it kind of obvious? Not obvious. It will be. 
I feel like there's something else you want to know that, that I'm not, it's not showing up in that question. Sure, I guess it seems like in either situation, if we're seeing it as a straight line or a circle, we're still doing the same thing. Like we're not trying to stop doing that thing. So I'm just wondering if it, our activity, our habits start to look circular to us. Does that, what next or what happens? If you, if you see that, if you see the circularity of it, then, then there's less uh, investment in somebody who can control or stop something or start something. And therefore the whole thing starts to fall apart. It needs to be some person, some who's going somewhere that's causing this or causing that. So if you see the, the whole display, it's like looking at a monopoly board. Who wants to play that? The big circle with you know, the implied results. Crop, don't pass, go, don't collect $200 or something like that. <laughs> you can tell I haven't paid, played that in 50 years. Go ahead. Sure, Bowing. If, or when we start um, looking into those areas, might, might the cover up increase or get more intense? Could. Yes. It depends on, it depends on that situation. How, threatening that is to you, to your family, to your community, whatever that circularity, if that's how you're asking me, if you see that, then you would, it's dangerous, then you would, everything might just stop without you even trying. You just, you can see the big, as they say, the big picture, not gonna do that. Just like someone who, who has an addiction, you know, some kind of a, not just, uh, mental, but some kind of physical addiction to something uh, pulls us back in and we'll come up with some kind of, we just won't look at the circle of it. I, I, I drink and drink and drink and drink and I, and my whole life falls apart. And, and even though the, so we just, we just cover up. We don't look at what's going to happen. We just look at, I really want to drink something. And the same thing happens, a similar thing happens with our, our anger. That's, it's quite a bit different because it's not just a addiction to a uh, to a drug or something, but it's but there's a rotation that happens there. Sure, if if our intention is to return or to keep practicing, is does it matter if those things get more intense or or drop away? If you're, my understanding is on this path. Uh, they may rise up and they may taper off. They may do any number of things because of the karma that you're bringing with you into this zendo or into this uh, path of the Buddha's dharma. Any number of things because there's no guarantee, no promises. There's, there's just, there isn't. But here you are, you're alive, you're, and you have the opportunity to train your mind. It can show up any number of ways. There's no guarantees or promises. It could get more intense, could get worse. But you're, what you're doing is you're working with it, uh, with your intention and with your awareness of what it is, rather than looking for some kind of a, a cure, some kind of a, something that would go into, un, into Wikipedia under therapies. And as you've heard me say, I'm not against therapy. Some people, that's the only thing they can do. Some people are meditators and they also need to talk to a therapist. 
or a psychiatrist, or we should use every everything that's available to help us lessen the suffering of ourselves and of others. But do it in a way that comes out of the awareness rather than out of some control. This is why I say um, cause and effect. We can't we can't ride that particular rail to, to some kind of success story because we, we leave out. It's a focus kind of thing where we focus on, I'm going to do this so I can get that. I'm going to practice meditation so I can attain the light. It starts out that way. But eventually you begin to have a deeper understanding of what the entirety, what the, what the big picture is, what enlightenment actually is, what awakening actually is. It's not a state of mind. It's not a, some other fancy state where you're really open, you're really a nice person. Uh, you're always putting everyone before yourself. Nobody really likes you. No longer any mistakes. That's a good one. Shokobang, when we're talking about something circular looking like a straight line, it seems, yes. it seems like um, life and death or birth is a straight line. What? Like we're born, we get old, and then we die. So it seems like there's a, a straight trajectory there. Yeah. What is one. the circularity of birth and death? Circularity is, we actually think that those are true. There is birth and death. It's, it's an illusion. It's unreal. Fundamentally unreal. There isn't anything but this. Do you see it? That's what? How do you say it? Problem solved? <laughs> no, you can't say that because you, it's just it's just what it is. It doesn't have a, a right or wrong, up or down, back back and forth. All the polarity is gone, and it's still if it's there, it's just it, it is an illusion. Shokabang, in looking at life or birth and death, it seems like there's a consciousness that kind of inhabits a physical or biological. It does look that way. And then that kind of creates an existence. If we see that life and death are an illusion or unreal, does the consciousness, can it still show up that way where it's going into a physical dimension and could still it could still occur that way, yes. What is the actual seeing that it's an illusion? What is the actual seeing that it's an illusion? What do you want to know? It's the seeing that it's an illusion. And you say, what is that? I don't know. Roll of paper towels? I'm not kidding you. You can pick out anything as a reference point and move into it. It's called relative truth. But it's ultimately not true. This is why in the Zen tradition, they have these koans. What is the sound of one hand clapping? Uh, does a dog have the Buddha nature? Um, why did Bodhidharma come from the east? Or from the west, I guess it was. <laughs> that was the east. Doesn't matter. Why did he come from the north? 
to go a little better. I mean, these these are, are meant to give you some kind of a very simple statement and then it flips around so that you can fundamentally see what this is yourself. It's everything in general and nothing in particular. And, it, and the ego cannot get any nutrition out of that. The ego gets nutrition out of success or out of being a famous person or being having a really nice nose. I'm one of the nicest noses. People are always complimenting me about my nose. Uh, yes? Shokovang, it looks like there's a, an ignorance or forgetting. So might that still show up in a similar way where we're, we're forgetting who we are or we're forgetting what this is yes yeah. yes forget i'm agreeing with you so remember question from adriana in kalamazoo very good Recently, you encouraged us to have unconditional confidence. What are we to be confident in? I assume it's not myself. Yeah, I don't remember saying that, but I might have. I say I have unconditional confidence. I get a shrug. She just accused me of saying something. <laughs> she has a mind what is what is unconditional confidence and what's it contrasted to so uh, relative confidence is i'm confident that i can um uh, what fly an airplane or uh, fix uh fix a car or do some plumbing or i can uh, figure out my taxes or i'm or i can sing or i can play the guitar confidence in some particular function relative confidence and then ultimate confidence is uh is that nothing is uh, happening nothing is uh, there's success and failure totally understood that's not being separate from each other and, and this, this is difficult you can't do this uh, with your thought process but life and death you're actually here your the consciousness is showing up as a living form a human being and you realize that that who you are can't die we're not saying that the body won't die, but who you are is goes beyond everything. You've actually realized it. You've stopped blocking that out because the ego that is threatening. The ego is incredibly attached to this this living form and this how this face looks and how this speech works and who uh, my uh, partner is or who my son is or my daughter. We're attached to it. Should we be attached? You can be attached, but it's important to be aware of the attachment. You don't have to get rid of it. You don't have to get rid of anything. So that confidence would be, even though you're in the midst of all kinds of threats, how many of you have people being shot by 15-year-olds in schools? On the news, it's everywhere. This could happen to anyone. You could get 
run over by a truck. You could uh, you could get COVID. There's all kinds of threats to your living living situation. But if you see what this is, nothing is threatening to you. So therefore, the confidence is is not a, a person who's confident. There's no longer any person. There's still a, a voice. There's still uh, pain. I'm having pain in my wrist right now. So there's pain in this, but there's no one, no personhood experiencing anything. If there were, if, if there were, if there were, I wouldn't be able to do this because this this being that came into to being a little over eighty years ago was extremely terrified of everything. But that being is unreal. Has been seen. I don't have a date for it, but at some point that just got worn out. It's, uh, quite a number of years ago. Quite a while ago, it was worn out, but there was no, there's no credential for it, no proof of that. So then there's doubt about what is this? What is this? Go ahead. One question from Ken in New York. How do I notice my habitual tendencies? if not by constantly looking for it through judgment of what's arising. It seems like I don't notice if I'm not trying to be on the lookout for it. Is that Kencho? No, a lot of sitting meditation, Kencho. A lot of, a lot of sitting meditation. And you may say, oh, I'm already sitting this much or this much or this much. But I, that, that would be my response. A lot of it. And, and it's, it doesn't have to be formal in a monastery of Zendo, and it doesn't even have to be in front of an altar, or you know, but it needs to be still, symmetrical, and unreceived. No matter how smelly the thought stream is, how distasteful, don't push it away by judging it. Don't receive it by um, thinking that you can take it or you can handle it or I'm just going to receive. No lectures. And don't shut down, distract yourself from it. It takes years to be able to do this. So if you meditate, listening to this old man, if you begin to meditate, you have meditated for three or four years and nothing seems to be happening, in terms of your mind stream, do it anyway. Keep going. What else are you going to do? Keep going. Start this path. Sit down. Train your mind. If you need to officially become a, a Buddhist or a monk, uh, you'll know that. No requirement. But sit more. More awareness. Just the way you're characterizing that, Ken. I'd say just more sitting. So Grimbali and Ango and Rohatsu, there are forms that we yes. observe maybe once a year. Is what arises in learning those forms again? Is that confusion? Give me, a, give me an example. Uh, like I today during service, I didn't know <laughs> what, what to do. do. Is that the confusion you're referring to when you're speaking about the circle of confusion? A little bit. There could be some of that. I don't know what to do, and 
I kind of was other people. I kind of started this whole thing, but I don't know what to do. I have to get help from somebody who's been doing this a lot. So Grand Valley, I, I, how do we work with the not knowing that arises in forms as a, a practice of observing confusion, Valley? Just keep observing the form. And if it's in form, if it's uh, like we only do uh, this, this highly stylized form, just out of respect for the Soto lineage. So without the Soto lineage, we wouldn't be here. And we are part of the Soto lineage. Whether they like it or not, Soto Shu might not approve of us in Japan, but this is the way it's showing up for this this uh, old teacher. This is the way we need to do this because of our culture, because of the situation we're in, because of uh, the having a, a, a Tibetan uh, master and also a Zen teacher and master. Uh, I don't know of any other way to do it other than this. So we have a lot of forms. They're changing all the time. We've only been a monastery for what ten years, something like that. We knew in a, in, in Michigan. So the way you're learning forms are, I'm not sure exactly what what is the issue there. Other than you're kind of in the same boat everybody is. We only do this this particular form, but the other forms we do, we chant sutras every single day. Just about some form more. So, Grand Bowing, in the area of form, in the area of right and wrong, is there ever a right or wrong in a form, Bowing? No. So, Grand Bowing, is everything that arises in the relative world confusion, Bowing? Uh, from a relative point of view, it is. It might look like it's clearing up, or it might look like it's getting worse. It's just a relativity, rel relativity. It's just like riding in a. It's, it's. We have some say so because we got in this situation, but then what the ride is like and what the weather is like is, we don't we don't have any choice about that. It's choiceless. What the the downside of choiceless is we're at the mercy of every damn thing. The upside of choiceless is there isn't anyone who's there, and so therefore that choicelessness is uh, is fantastic. You actually are not at the mercy of anything because there's there's no solid identity anymore. There never was, but you have to realize it. If you realize it, you're what is a common way of saying it? you're liberated. If you think you're liberated, you're not. You can't really be liberated and have thoughts about how liberated you are. That's relative truth. Liberation goes beyond relativity. This beyond wisdom, beyond wisdom. Remember that part of the chant? Wisdom, wisdom, beyond wisdom. And yet nothing happened. And, let, and yet you're still here sitting on your butt. And you're clear about what is in front of you. Even though it looks like confusion. You're clear in what is in front of you. Even though it looks like wisdom. You're clear about what is in front of you. No matter what it is no longer confused by anything. That doesn't mean if you've got a, a broken lock, you don't need a locksmith. Another question from Navid. Okay. Is it better not to lie? Should we talk our truth at all times? 
again, it's it's good. It's, it's situational. So you you wouldn't if you're really feeling bad and someone someone comes in and you you know you might say yeah, I'm doing okay because you you also are having respect for them and you want to be polite. You know that it's you don't need to whine about yourself even though you might be not feeling so well. So that's very situational. Uh, when somebody clamps down and says, uh, you say never lie. Uh, like my mother used to say when I was uh, very young, say, Bobby, the whole world hates a liar. <laughs> I better not let people know that I'm a liar. <laughs> it's kind of the way my uh, eight-year-old mind was working. I hate a thief, too, because I used to steal from her. Oh, I hate a thief, too. My early religious training is nice to say. Or Takedo. Where are we at? Situational. You might not you might say something that isn't fundamentally isn't the truth, but it might that might work better in the situation you're in. So this doesn't mean that get off the hook, so to speak. There's really no hook. But if you're being respectful to to yourself and to others, you know, you may you may say something that isn't technically isn't true, but works better in that situation. Hmm? Are you buying along those same lines then? Are we holding up a standard as to what is true? Bowie? Probably, yeah. So how can we ever know what that is? Yeah, I know. What do you think? Weirdo. Don't use Mandarin on me. Well, it just seems like if that, that there's this kind of invisible standard that we say don't lie, the precept is don't lie. So is there some ultimate way of not lying that's being held up? I don't know. I don't think so. I think there's always going to be, always going to be something that is not aligned with what is fundamentally true, ultimate truth. You can point towards ultimate truth, but you can't say it, other than to say nothing is separate, my way of saying it. Things look separate, they're not. If you see that they're not separate, it doesn't mean everything's all smushed together. But if you see it, you have to actually, it's not just vision, but smell, taste, touch, think, you, everything is, there's no longer a separate being anywhere. But if you meet someone who is, who is, uh, who is treating you as a, they don't have no idea of what, you, what realization is about, then you relate to them where they're at. You don't try to be a special person who isn't tied up in knots like they are. You're tied up in knots with them. Not separate, not separate, not separate. Compassion isn't being compassionate towards somebody. It is suffering. If you don't understand, train your mind. See what is true. This is called the pain of the composite, the third kind of description. Anyone you meet, you meet them where they're at in their mind stream. It may not feel like it to you. You may feel like you're still trying to wait till they leave so you can go take a nap. There'll be any kind of thing like that could arise. There's no special kind of feeling that's going to arise 
if you live in enlightenment. When feelings do arise, they don't occur to a being anymore. Uh, Mark Bowling, there's a question from uh, Eric A. Um, does trying to find our way home break the circular motion of our spiritual path, journey, trip? Bowling. If I understand your question, uh, I'm not sure I do, but the way it sounds, I would say no, not particularly trying to find your way home. You? Um, a question from someone, I'm not sure who. Um, their name? Their username is weird. What? Weird, that's a good one. Weird. And their question is, why is everything weird? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's actually not weird. That's a projection. Actually, it's not weird. It's flat out ordinary. There's nothing weird. Everything is totally in its appropriate place all the time. Since you asked. But your projection is that it's weird. So that's why it's weird, because you're weird. You're weirdo. Not a problem. Go ahead. A question from, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, Sile? How do you spell it? S-I-H-L-E. Sounds right to me, Sile. How do I know what is true and what is not true? What is the purpose of all of this? I don't know. Suffering, we're suffering, we're having difficulty. Human beings have difficulty. We're trying to find a way to work with that where we don't make life worse for ourselves or for others. So that, that would be a simple response. It's the purpose of it is to understand what is fundamentally true, what is, what is really important. And a simple way of saying it is to be with all things, put others before yourself, which is not happening in the world. There's a whole lot of people that are just putting themselves before everyone else creates a big problem. Kevin. Bowing. You were mentioning earlier <clears throat> the kind of little minutia that lead to an altercation, a stabbing, a shooting, or whatever, if only we'd left a minute earlier, etc. I've heard some Dharma teachers talk about well, if you've been shot or murdered or whatever, then in some past life, you were the murderer or the shooter. How is it helpful to contemplate that bowing? No. You could consider it. I mean, it's a possibility, but not to contemplate it. Not, not a good idea to contemplate it. What you should contemplate is uh, sit down and face the wall and watch the movement of the mind right now in this, what is commonly called a present moment. There, there is, a, I don't, don't misunderstand, I, I think there is something to that past, but we can't do anything about that. All it does is tell us, you know, it's like, like knowing you have a, a Mars square Saturn, you're probably going to have a bad temper, but contemplating that isn't going to help you at all. It might be good to train your mind and work with your temper rather than try to use 
astrological configurations to substantiate and and uh, support your your uh, how you're angry because angry because <clears throat> same thing with past lives we should look at it but it should be situational some people the only way you're going to be able to work with them is by work with that past life situation but anybody who's here in this room or on this uh, zoom screen you're a meditator you wouldn't be here so i would say work with it in the present so-called present moment sit down hold still and watch the movement of the mind and, and do it that way rather than some kind of a going uh, and blaming something so i, I don't I don't know if that's helpful or if, you, if there's another something else you would like me to respond to, Kevin. Kevin Boeing, no, that is helpful because to me it strikes me as a way of just jumping to a conclusion or trying to blame something about yourself. Well, it's if you hadn't stabbed people thirty lifetimes ago, you wouldn't have gotten stabbed. So stop bitching about it. Kind of you thing. know, to to go into that, we've actually uh, had. I'm not going to mention any names. We've talked about that kind of thing that's happened in our chemistry here. And I can say it, uh, I can settle a whole thing for you in a minute. There isn't anybody I'm looking at here I haven't met before. And the same goes for you. We've all been here forever. Here we are again. That doesn't mean that you had, that you, that this is a, that you and I were in Italy in the 13th century and, and, uh, and we both ran a bakery and, uh, and, and you, uh, you wanted to have totally control of the bakery because I wouldn't make the kind of muffins you wanted. So you got upset and, and, and kicked over uh, the, the boiling water and instead of just we know I, I could go on and on but I, my imagination is just running out right here and I would have to <laughs> get some help from somebody i'm just saying that causes and conditions are but nobody's to blame the causes and conditions of the, the self-centeredness gets lost in that if you see what it is so yes we, there's some of that happening and we can acknowledge that so it gives us a little bit of support there but the fundamental situation is right now look at it right now transcend this world Kevin bowing well it's very interesting because over the last couple of months i've perfected my scone making and it's, <laughs> and it's clearly because you wouldn't let me bake the kinds of <laughs> That I wanted. So I owe you a debt of gratitude. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm here to collect. <laughs> Kevin Bowling, I had another question. Uh, you mentioned before the experience of, uh, I'm paraphrasing, uh, your the, the sense of self falling away and having some doubt about what that was. What is the difference between doubt and not knowing, Bowling? The doubt there's still some shred there's still some uh uh there's still some particles or pieces so to speak just to use that kind of an image of somebody who's still concerned about something else still worried about something still think there's something that could be lost or something so something's awry and that doesn't have to go away that can still stay there it's just that it's without a being that doesn't mean you won't have emotions around it so the doubt or the the, the certainty uh is the relative way of saying no doubt uh, so you're certain what you see this is it is certain but that doesn't mean that a negativity might not come and go and and show up uh, in your mind stream if you're a living being you have a brain have a nervous system you, the, the, the 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 things that are happening in people who are who are grasping at a self are painful but the things that are happening to people who have seen that there is no solid being anywhere still painful 
but it doesn't happen to a person. So therefore, there's no there's no um, wish for for some kind of um, um, you know, some kind of a, everything should just subside and no longer have any negative feelings because now I've seen through no self. So the certainty uh, or the the lack of doubt is because you 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 don't have a concern about what happens the next moment because you see. And I'm going to say it this: I don't know of another way to say it. There is no next moment. Uh, there 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 isn't anything but this. There's, uh, I'm going to say there isn't anything but now. But then it gets kind of fancy and then you think you can just be here now but you can't because uh you can't already, you can't be something you already are i'm glad i was able to help you with that kevin <laughs> kevin bowing me too bowing. are we at the end of our travail that's french for travel Okay, we will do what comes next. May we this country into all places so that we in every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokokoji.org.